i'm really in awe of the entrepreneurial ecosystem that has come together in the saas business and just like an outsider who's sort of seen you know companies evolve i think saas companies built from india have much better fundamentals than b2c companies being built in india hi everyone welcome to another episode of the startup operator in this episode i'll be speaking to jayadevan who's an evangelist at freshworks for startups uh, he's worked in the media for over 10 years now and uh, even co-founded factor daily some years ago we're going to be talking about storytelling the media industry startups and a bunch of other interesting things so without further ado welcome uh, jayadevan to the startup operator podcast thanks thanks for having me roshan how are you doing i'm good i'm good i've been cooped up inside the house but i'm good otherwise i know you started fasting recently so what's that been like <laughs> I, i i only managed to do it for two weeks it's uh so basically intermittent fasting so i've been on this whole fitness trip for the last three years right yeah like, yeah. You know? yeah so not three actually um yeah uh, i've been doing it seriously for the last three years and the idea was to sort of get fit as we go along take a very long term view of fitness and right. not set really you know three month goals and six months goals but you know yeah. really start from the basics build a good foundation and then you know sort of see where it takes you kind of thing so it's a journey so it's not like yeah. a destination yeah. that i was aiming at yeah. uh, so part of that is fitness i, I mean fa- uh, i thought you know i i tried a bunch of things like you know i started running i started weightlifting i started doing a lot of things and then i uh, figured hey intermittent fasting this is interesting let me try it out so i did a little bit of research and i'm new to it but uh, it's fu- it's it i i i won't say it was fun it's difficult mm. and it's a very hard uh, sort of a lifestyle to sustain mm. but i do see that there are some benefits to it so you know which i get to realize so you know <laughs> uh, anyway so it was a thing i wanted to try out i think i'll be doing it more often and just to see where it goes nice yeah i mean i did read a post of yours some years uh, ago i mean i and i recall that right i mean about your fitness journey and so on uh, it's very interesting what you mentioned right anything you do sort of consciously uh, over a period of time you realize it's not a destination but rather a journey right absolutely yeah yeah as as i went along i realized that you know you can uh, there are the, people have already talked about this kind of a you know mindset which is called the growth mindset and not like the whole you know sort of uh, your mindset which is a goal oriented mindset so if you have a growth mindset you are slowly adding things to your sort of you know inventory of things that you do well and over a period of time you end up you know when you look back you end up seeing that you've grown quite a bit so the returns actually come uh, compound rather than sort of you know you take one thing at a time and linearly finish it off kind of thing right yeah 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 so i mean you you see these as sort of pit stops i feel like i mean even if you look at uh, you know fitness or whatever uh, it's great that you lost 5 kilos or you know you're able to run 5 uh, kilometers in under 30 minutes or whatever it is yeah but uh, i think this guy who's a scott adams has a great book on this uh, uh, and he talks about systems uh, you know being greater than goals in some uh, some sense right where you where you set yourself up for uh, success rather than you know treat this as like uh, sort of milestones and stuff like that so yeah yeah so scott adams has this uh, really interesting theory about what's called the persuasion yeah uh, diet right like you know yeah. so you don't actually 
diet diet but you convince your mind you educate yourself about what kind of food has more calories what has less yeah. calories yeah. and all of that and you end up being you know uh, fitter and eating better and all of that so rather than sort of you know struggling too much with a lot of physical heavy weight stuff it's mm. easier to sort of get your mind in control and persuade yourself to become a better version of yourself yeah yeah so let's uh, let's talk about your current role at freshworks it sounds super interesting um, so what do you do <laughs> okay so i joke that i get paid to tweet but uh, <laughs> obviously that's not what i do uh, so technically the role is uh, i'm i'm an evangelist for freshworks the idea is to tell people what freshworks does the products that it offers and all of that see if you know i can use whatever the right pieces on freshworks you know talk about it on social media uh, go on sort of you know webinars and all of that so that's there but the team that i am part of is called freshworks for startups and what we do is we give fre- uh, startups an easy way to access the freshworks product suite which is you know we give them $10000 of free credit we give them access to mentorship and sort of we onboard them into the fleshworks ecosystem uh with and our people will help you and all of that to get to the, to start using fleshworks products and for the startup it's it works because you get access to good product suite for free uh, at least for the time being and then towards the end of it for us it works because you know if the startup scales they work really well we also they become our customers and since we have a relationship it becomes easier for us to sort of you know carry that forward kind of thing yeah so that's what i do here and i sort of uh, help with a little bit of storytelling a little bit of branding efforts and a little bit of all of things so yeah. <laughs> that's pretty interesting so one thing i've noticed is that you know the and you've seen this as well from close quarters right i mean the whole support ecosystem for startups has become so much better right now isn't it yeah absolutely like uh, if you look at now versus maybe even 5 years ago like mm. there was practically uh, not much of a startup ecosystem you had vcs and you had uh, some startups and you know in between there was nothing so now if you look at it you have vcs themselves launching a bunch of initiatives like you know mentorship you know webinars podcasts and incubators yeah. and accelerators and all of that and these have become very focused efforts on the vcs part to improve their portfolios performance and you know all yeah. the ancillary stuff that comes with it i think axel has it sequoia has it bloom has it all the pretty much all the good ones have it right. now uh, just uh, just from a startups point of view there are so many of these support groups and companies which have already made it big like for instance freshworks or you know all of us they are also giving it back to the community in some way or the other so you have like plans like you know hey if you are a friend of freshworks you know kind of thing and you know all of that so there's a lot of ecosystem that is coming together in chennai there is this whole strong saas ecosystem which yeah. is shaping up in bangalore yeah absolutely so saas boom is a really cool initiative there mm. there is something called the product folks which is happening out of delhi they are doing really good stuff on products you know axel has its own you know insights podcast they have a sort of incubator of sorts and all of that so there's a ton of support available and i think it's really good how things have come together and you know uh, 
this uh, people are like it's, it's basically just a tweet away if you need help <laughs> yeah absolutely and you know i mean something that i noticed as well right i mean 10 11 years back i mean a lot of the startup gyan was either you know imported from the valley or i mean you heard it from someone who had read about it or something of that sort right but right now uh, you know you can get some solid actionable insights uh, uh from people who've actually done it here you know i mean uh, i also feel that it's a reflection of uh, the ecosystem kind of maturing right yeah yeah i like to see this as like maybe the second or third wave of you know the whole startup generation right like in india especially so uh, the uh, the first really first wave was maybe you know if you go all the way back you had the jungly and you know nokri.com and all those guys they did really well some of them did really well jungly got acquired by amazon you know nokri went ahead went on and listed in the stock exchanges rediff and all of those so those are the old the older generation and uh, obviously there was the other guys the it services guys which is you know the infosys wipro and the tcs they also did a great job of building global brands and you know bringing in a lot of revenue and all that and especially incubating a lot of talent then you had this whole phase where you know companies like flipkart started coming up like the the thing here was i think flipkart was a game changer in the in the way that two people with like a yeah, class kind of background you know coming in and doing something really big and this was also the validation that venture capitalists really needed to be able to really believe in the whole india thesis uh because until then i don't think people took india very seriously yeah uh, at least until the exit that flipkart gave them so um i think flipkart was another wave what also got built along with flipkart is a lot of good product leadership a lot of good you know engineering talent a lot of you know uh, and a lot of money went downstream mm. not just from the vcs but uh, fr- with the vcs but you know you had like uh, you know average employees with a decent amount of money and the appetite for risk right yeah. like you know and i'm just taking flipkart as an example there were many other companies right like there was redbus which was a fairly uh, redbus was the uh, you know probably the first decent you know so, uh, vc exit if you ask me in that sense yeah um 100 million or sorts kind of thing right I now think um, sold yeah to naspers or something of that sort right yeah oh. ibibo bought them yeah oh sorry and yeah then, yeah uh, so ibibo is part of naspers so you're right sure <laughs> yeah and then uh, the, the other thing that happened was it was not just the vcs at some point folks like the tiger globals came in and yeah. they started cutting really big checks yeah so <laughs> vcs got like confident and you know uh, it also sent a whole signal to the real money people in the us and all that and then you had you know uh, a lot of money coming in which is why axel sequoia and all of these uh, funds had like billion dollar funds or you know uh, yeah. they quickly closed bigger rounds and now you had a lot of capital to deploy and you also have good talent great product uh, people you know all of that coming together so the, the money was there so risk uh, risk capital was there yeah. so essentially we are at a really good place right now um, yeah and even if you look at what's happening right now with covid i think companies uh, especially the support ecosystem has come together to help companies you know so there are uh, you know uh, vcs who have launched funds you know a lot of you know sort of debt debt funds to help startups tide over the crisis and all of that right yeah, yeah. um 
so that is the whole india the thing what though is a bit of a bummer is that the indian consumer is still not uh, someone who spends a lot right like you know our per capita gdp is still very poor and that results in you know the market itself being very small which is right. where the silver lining is with companies like saas which build from india but exactly. sell to the world kind of thing exactly what i was uh, going to get at i think if you remember those uh, you know decks of the 2013 14 era when they said you know internet penetration is uh, whatever at this point of time less than 25% or whatever and you know we're going to scale to this much and you know all of those modeling and stuff uh, that they used to show market size Uh, and then i think now we have come around to the consensus that there is probably around 60 70 million people who are going to buy from e-commerce or whatever and a subset of that will be like good paying customers right repeated purchases and so on so exactly so it's yeah. essentially the you know uh, what i think harish chavla really articulated really well in his article yeah. right on on yeah. founding fuel he wrote about the whole india 1 india 2 and india 3 kind of concept mm-hmm. right like mm-hmm. you know and india 1 is really where you know people have the ability to spend on e-commerce where it makes sense for brands to advertise spend big marketing dollars india 2 india 3 and you know further it's uh, i mean i don't mean to be sort of you know condescending or anything but you know uh, it's really not the, there's really no market for tech products out there we are uh, there we have a lot more of fundamental problems to solve like healthcare sanitation and you know education and a bunch of other things like job employment yeah. we are sitting on top of a big, big employment crisis right like so all of that is where the focus needs to go i mean obviously yeah. internet has played a big role in uplifting you know a bunch of things but uh, i seriously doubt the ability for companies to make money off of that market No, I think the problems are a lot more fundamental. If you ask me, like the services have to evolve. Basically, I mean the the products and services that we're catering to these people, right? Uh, I mean it really has to evolve. Sure, I mean you know a person in a tier two, tier three town who doesn't have access to, let's say, the latest uh, fashion would love to get on you know your e-commerce portal and order, right? I mean, but if you look at his his or her daily behavior, there are so many fundamental gaps. Education is something that you mentioned, right? Access to good. Uh, solid education which is perhaps you know number one priority after healthcare for anyone right in india uh, yeah so this i see huge potential and also i mean uh, i want to talk about the, the you know something that you briefly touched upon as well which is the third wave right so if you look at uh, you know uh, pre dot com era of nokri and suleka and readif and all of them and then if you look at uh, flipkart uh you know post uh, 2007 types and then now if you look at the saas wave right that the both of us are <laughs> you know on right uh i'm super excited about this and i feel like it will be orders of magnitudes uh, uh, bigger than any of uh, the previous ones that we've witnessed right uh, yeah absolutely i mean i i'm i'm really in awe of the entrepreneurial yeah. ecosystem that has come together in the saas business and just like an outsider who's sort of seen you know companies mm. evolve i think saas companies built from india have much better fundamentals than exactly to see companies being built in india yeah. and you know fundamentals when i say fundamentals it's like you know about profitability and all of those things you know and yeah. uh, really solid entrepreneurs right and a proper business model not exactly. that you know we'll acquire users today and <laughs> then figure out making money some other day most saas companies that i know of are like hey 
we've got customers how do we scale now we've got money like yeah. and many of them even say no to money right like we don't need venture yeah. capital we're just going to bootstrap it kind of yeah right? so yeah yeah th- this is just like the really phenomenal and yeah uh, so no, I mean, that, look at the, yeah sorry go ahead please No, no, go ahead. Uh, so I, you, you should talk about the Waymo story as well, because, you know, I, I think yeah. you guys are also doing some amazing work there, right? Yeah, thanks so much uh, for uh, that call out. But I mean, I was reminded about something that uh, you spoke about, uh, you know, on your podcast. Uh, by the way, Jaydevan also runs a podcast called Use Case uh, along with his friend Ravish. Uh, and you should definitely check it out. I mean, if you haven't, uh, some really super episodes in there. uh i i was listening to the one uh, with mona gandhi where she kind of uh, mentioned right i mean that when she returned to india she realized that you know the pro- that growth meant optimizing budgets on facebook and google you know and then figuring out what to do with the the users uh, that you've gotten through the front door later right so i was kind of remi- reminded of that and then if you look at saas right now literally every saas founder is thinking okay for every dollar i spend what is a multiple on that uh, dollar that i'm generating right uh, on a recurring basis as well so yeah and yeah, the world of saas is a lot more scientific and data driven and all that right like absolutely. You know, absolutely i see people talk about you know what's my cac to ltv and you know <laughs> what all of that right and yeah. and and uh, and what what's my sort of you know all kinds of you know uh, good yeah. uh, models that you know and great business practices right so yeah. uh, this is amazing like and th- this is the culture i think that will lead to creating more sustainable absolutely. companies absolutely and not where you know hey i got 200 million users because i spent you know a billion dollars on marketing right like exactly. you know, and exactly. uh, now somebody else is spending that so i don't need that you know yeah. i don't have 100 million users anymore because you know yeah. it's not like i built a great product right like you know, yeah. so, no it uh, yeah. when when I, when i kind of look back at some of the thinking of uh, you know 5 6 years back or whatever right it blows my mind you know i mean what were people thinking because hey i mean if you give free stuff people will like you right I mean, that, <laughs> you know, and yeah. and if you give them a link often enough, if you put a link in front of their face, they're going to click on it at some point of time, right? So, but I mean, and then uh, you know, you briefly spoke about Vimeo, and it's been about three years with Vimeo right now. Uh, and one of the things that really struck me when I started working for Vimeo is how much of a focus there is on business fundamentals. Uh, you know, I mean, we startup folks generally, you know. have this whole credo of move fast break things whatever um, you know try to reinvent everything under the sun but one thing that really really struck me and i've seen this uh, kind of thinking at few other startups as well uh, saas startups is the focus on fundamentals right i mean essentially you are running a business and the business has to turn over a profit for every product or service sold so yeah that that's pretty that's pretty interesting absolutely uh, and if you yeah. look at it really we're sitting on this whole multi billion dollar opportunity right with respect to the whole india to the world kind of absolutely model. yeah so i was looking at the bessemer cloud index the other day so so bessemer cloud index right like you know people who don't know about it so it's an index where bessemer venture capital has put down like a list of cloud based companies right like and you know all these companies have um, uh, many of them are listed and all these companies have a market cap of like upwards of 10 billion a billion dollars and all that now i feel like you know 
pretty much for all of these there can be faster better you know more yeah. affordable alternatives being built out of countries like india and i just don't mean like india per se but i mean like there are so many destinations yeah. right like you know across the world which can do this whole you know building and this thing. so it doesn't have to be always you know silicon valley kind of style of development yeah i mean uh, and uh, you know harsh gupta who's a friend of mine uh, made this fantastic point which is that hey i mean if a company can move out of silicon valley then technically they can move out of uh, the america as well right so yeah. uh, and now post covid i mean we're realizing you know how much we overestimated the uh, value and function of a workplace as such right as an office so i think there's still some merit in having an office no, but absolutely. it doesn't have to be like the whole you know what you had earlier like you know absolutely. so many meetings can just be called so many so much of travel yeah. can be avoided so much yeah. of you know that in person brainstorming need not be in person brainstorming you can just absolutely. think about it on your own time and then come back and yeah. do a meeting to arrive at some kind of consensus right so that's the uh, that's what covid is sort of forcing on us to learn new ways of working and getting better at it and i think it's great for people who are remote people who don't have yeah. physical access to silicon valley kind of culture and policies and all that so yeah. that's amazing uh if you look at the trend that we were talking about earlier which is you know the whole uh india to the world kind of thing and it's really starting to show right like if you look mm. at postman which is you now we just talked yeah, about postman yeah so uh, they have like over you know 10 million developers on their platform and they have like yeah. you know hundreds of thousands of businesses using them they are making revenues they just closed around at a valuation of 2 billion so this is like a, the fastest indian company to get there yeah you know, in in such a short period of time i think 6 years or something the earlier one was freshworks which is 3.5 billion dollars you know uh, 10 years you know there is uh, druva there is icertis there is a bunch of other guys who are actually showing that this is completely you know viable to do business like this and then there are several you know multi million dollar sort of businesses which are in the flanks which are waiting to sort of you know right. take over the world kind of thing so yeah. that's this trend is just completely undeniable yeah no the thing that blew my mind about uh, postman uh, was not the 2 billion dollars actually it was the 10 million developers i mean just for perspective right i think how many users does github have github has probably around 40 million users right and uh, i think if i'm mm-hmm. not if i'm not wrong i mean it was founded about 10 years back i think right something of that sort yeah uh, so for for an indian company to have 10 million developers for their services just like phenomenal like super phenomenal i feel yeah absolutely and it's just like a 250 employee company it's not yeah. like the old generation you know i have 100000 people right like you know we're like a it's like a small team like you know if you mm. in comparison right and yeah. if you look at the revenue per employee and the productivity and all that that's like huge 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 so let's talk about uh, you know i mean we digressed quite a bit and i am i'm fairly sure we're going to do this again and again right uh, but uh, <laughs> let's talk about uh, you know your journey a little bit right so which is uh, you started by covering startups and then you know starting a startup yourself and now working in a startup right so there like multiple transitions in between uh, so what's that journey been like for you so yeah so this is interesting even if <laughs> i say so because you know i consider that you know i've had a fairly different journey from uh, several people that you know studied mm-hmm. computer science engineering with me 
so i went to college in kerala in a small you know a college called the government engineering college and uh, i i wasn't a purposeful student or anything right like you know so i i would do all kinds of things right like so no plan as such uh, mm-hmm. somehow graduate and all that <laughs> so i believe several of my colleagues were also you know uh, uh, of the same kind of you know breed so we just had like a lot of fun so out of mm-hmm. college i find myself that hey uh i don't have a job or anything like i don't have a placement offer and stuff like that but i always had a fairly decent outlook to life so i came to i took a bus and i came to bangalore and you know i went to the manipal center office and i had 10 copies of my resume printed out and i had no clue right like so i went to all the offices and i gave one sheet each to all of those offices those were like really small offices like courier companies and you know all of those you know Uh, and i didn't even know which company so i would i was like you know hey here's my resume here's my resume give me a call text right <laughs> so anyway so but uh, and i was uh, living with my seniors uh, who had like tech jobs and all that so right and then one day you know um i i see an ad in the new in the newspaper uh, saying they needed reporters and i said hey i've done a bunch of things so why don't i try this and then i went to uh, the office and you know i got a i got the job at indian express so the only qualification i had was that i was blogging fairly regularly at that time mm-hmm. and i you know there were no internet i mean internet was there but you know in indian express office you had like you know you had one computer and you had like 30 reporters when i joined 30 40 reporters and you know only the chief of bureau had the computer and we had to like you know if we have to do some research on the internet we had to like queue up right like you know. so that's how it was we had like the old switchboards and all that it, and i'm not even talking about like 20 years ago or anything it was just like you know 15 years ago or, you know 10 and 13 years ago types right so i got the job you know i started writing for you know uh, the paper i wrote about i started, did a little bit of crime reporting did a little bit of you know, uh, uh, and that's where i learned kannada and then i did a little bit of writing on you know city and civic issues and then i moved to covering business and this sort of changed my trajectory a little bit i started enjoying writing about businesses and i started writing about technology and it companies so at that time it was all about infosys wipro tcs you know yeah. all of these and then you had this mid sized companies pine tree hexaware and all these guys right like so and we were like you know who's going to buy who you know we've lost a big customer and all these you know really sort of financial yeah. stuff and it was in hindsight it was super boring uh, so but you know i was new and i had i enjoyed doing whatever i was given as a task right like so then i moved to et uh, again i was covering you know mid sized you know it companies for my career and hexaware and those kind of guys uh, i uh, there was one thing that all of us reporters used to compete for which is to get to the front page of et somehow like you know so uh, to get to the front page there was like two ways one is you have like a big breaking story Mm-hmm. or you write about something slightly offbeat and then you time it in such a way that you know it's a lean news day so you know your chances of getting into the front page <laughs> is very high kind of thing so i would look for these offbeat stories like you know uh, startups and you know some uh, random person doing something very different uh, quirky stuff right like you know and then i would look for you know uh I, i would time it as to publish it on sun, uh, send it to on sunday send it to the desk on sunday because uh, on sunday you have like very few people writing news stories so 
<laughs> so that way I got onto the front page quite often. And this is also where my interest in startups began. And I was also sort of following. The kids you know, who are my... listening to this will say, will call it growth hacking, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was just trying to survive, right? Like, you know, yeah. because uh, the, the, at that time, the ET newsroom was super competitive. Like you had yeah. really good people, right? Like people sitting to my left and right and all of them. They were like breaking stories big time. Like, you know, uh, real estate, retail, you know, human yeah. relations, conglomerates, you know, market moving stuff and all that. And I, here I was like, you know, trying to get like, you know. And that was uh, such a trip actually. I mean, now, now that you mention it, right. I mean, if I, if I think back at the stuff that made it to the pink papers that time, right. Like if Infosys yeah. lands a deal or something, I don't know, they land a G as a client or something that would be like, uh, you know, uh, yeah. uh, Eight inch by three inch or whatever it is, um, uh, big news, right? Yeah, but and leadership changes. Yeah, yeah, yeah leadership. Yeah. <laughs> that was the other thing. Who moved to who moved to which other place? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, you know uh, those days were fun, but it's very repetitive. Like if you listen yeah. to uh, you know mature companies' financial uh, you know press conferences and their earnings calls and all quarter after quarter they pretty much say the same thing every quarter right like you know mm. so you just lose a little bit of interest in it after a while and then um, so so th- this is where my interest in startups started picking up like you know i started listening to you know i mean reading you know the whole uh, techcrunch was being launched at that time and i was a big mm. fan of you know mike arrington and all that right like, so i was reading all his pieces i was like why don't we have people like this in india kind of thing right like you know right. and uh, so at that time uh, techcrunch was so interesting they would just rip apart people right like you know yeah. uh, and all of that so now uh, i was at ti i decided to sort of you know uh, so my boss pankaj uh, he was the editor there for technology at that time and he moved to mint so mint was again this new paper which was launching and you know they had raju narisetti who was who had come from washington post and you know they were kind of building a really stellar team yeah. and pankaj had joined them and i had an opportunity to sort of you know work with them but ET and Mint have a non-compete. So I had to sit out for six months. So now I was kind of, you know, I, I was young and I was very sort of jittery, right? I, I just don't like sitting around kind of thing, right? So then I went to, um, yeah. So at that time, uh, while I was you know sitting around, I went and met a lot of people and I met uh, this guy called Ashish Sina, right? Like, so, mm. so for people, I mean, a lot of us know Ashish, uh, you know, so From Ashish the plug Shura, base. yeah. Yeah. So plug dot in, right? Like, you know, yeah. the, so Ashish was interesting in the sense that Ashish had a very keen sense of product and stuff like that. So, and he had, he was a product manager at Yahoo and he had left the job and, you know, he had started this plug dot in portal where he would cover startups and, you know, products and stuff. And it was around the same time your story was also launched. So uh, the difference here was, you know, Ashish would actually look at the product and talk about it. And uh, I know like a lot of people don't like him or you know, all that, but uh, I, I found that a great opportunity to learn more about startups. And I, uh, I told Mint uh, and Pankas that I won't be joining. I want to do this job at uh, you know, next big one. So I was there, I think, first editor or, of sorts. And uh, Ashish and I, we hired a bunch of people, like, you know, four or five small team and we grew it. Uh, we did we did well for a while and uh, 
we we used to break a lot of stories and but one thing that stayed with me from that journey is that i b- built a lot of relationships like you know i met hundreds of founders i wrote about them and then i also took away the fact that as journalists we never used to care for the products or the companies that we wrote about so uh, one thing that ashish would t- say is you have to try the product if you are writing about a startup because right. only then you will be empathize or you will see the true potential of it or the lack of it kind of thing. Mm. so i took that away i went back to et where pankaj was again joining back at et we launched ettech.com sorry long spiel i think this is getting a little boring <laughs> but you know. no no i mean uh, this is pretty interesting because um, i i mean i also want to talk about you know how media itself has evolved right in this time and uh, we're getting to understand a bit about it uh, as you're talking about your journey so 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 then i went back to et we launched ettech.com um i had the opportunity to hire uh, you know more people and we again it was a small team it had a lot of support from the company and it did well uh this is when you know i was also start itching to do my own thing like you know mm-hmm. pankaj and i were getting restless seeing you know all the startup activity happening around sure. us and we were like hey what's happening <laughs> like, <you know? laughs> the um uh, the other thing that drove us to startup is also that you know we were seeing a lot of changes that ha- was happening to the society mm-hmm. because of the new age technology companies help us understand that a little bit more yeah so there was flipkart which was talking about behavioral changes you know there was you know ola which had come in there were a lot of these you know other companies there were uh, reliance was talking about launching geo google was talking about you know hundreds of millions of connected users facebook had come in so we actually wanted to come out of a newspaper kind of environment and help our readers really understand the impact that technology was having on the people so which was pretty much like you know a uh, tech slash society slash culture kind of a beat yeah. now in a classic newspaper situation it's difficult to get real estate for that because you know newspaper yeah. readers don't come there to read you know uh, the about the societal issues of tech or you know ethics and all of those kind of things right so and also deep tech like you know bitcoin yeah. blockchains these things were coming up you know saas was coming up so how do we so we wanted to really cover these things in depth and that's why we yeah. said hey we need to free ourselves from the whole print mindset and go into and one of the mindset. yeah so and just to touch upon what you're saying right and one of the best things that uh, to to have happened and you know factor daily was a pioneer in that was this whole long form writing right because uh, as you correctly mentioned uh, earlier i don't know if it was the limitation of space or you know i mean if if things were that's how it was structured all you would read is funding news right so man so raised this amount of funding and uh, or you know uh, something of that sort and it used to just annoy me because uh, you know beyond a point i mean you you tune out right and uh, yeah uh, but i mean you guys i mean even if i think of something like the premji story that uh, i think pankaj wrote right there was so much depth in that i mean and you know as we spoke about earlier wipro and infosys were regularly in the news earlier but yeah. truly i mean the i i only got to know the the person as such uh, on that article right and that was a phenomenal article amazing one of the best that i've read in the last 10 years i think yeah so we just said ki uh, you know like the real estate and the mindset itself was uh, not conducive to do justice to what was actually happening on the ground and that's yeah. where the factor daily sort of happened and uh, we did stories about you know 
early days of bitcoin and you know we did stories about you know people who uh, got defrauded with bitcoin and the thing the difference here is that uh, look when you do a funding story uh, mm. at least about 80 90% of the times you get the story after everything is done Mm-hmm. so there is really not much you are contributing or you know this exactly. people can read it just for you know it's an fyi everything is done hey here's the story right yeah, yeah. now uh, what's what we wanted to cover is get in ahead of the curve right like you know, and tell people what's coming uh, you know right. around the corner or you know what's uh, after, when you climb the mountain what you see kind of thing right yeah. so yeah. we were like hey bitcoin's coming how can it impact you know people how, what are the right. chances that you will get defrauded you know and and we did some really good stuff uh, especially with ai you know uh, you know bitcoins and all that so yeah. we won uh, journalism at least i like to think that way but we yeah. lost the business model question right <laughs> <laughs> which is a lot of hindsight uh, uh, sort of learning yeah uh, what we realized so, was that i sorry go ahead please i i had a point to add but go ahead please no no go ahead no no i i really feel that you know substack right now should have been there in 2015 16 for you guys to like you know really kill it i feel what do you think yeah i think so because in those days i mean I, it's not like a long time ago it's yeah it's 5 years 5 6 years yeah it's just like 5 6 years ago and the challenge was uh, you know we if you want to build a payment sort of a gateway it will take you some time and a lot of development resources and all of that right the, the entire infrastructure of you know getting paid for what you write or the digital mm. ecosystem was not as mature as it was now but now you have like products like substack and i hear that scroll guys are coming out with a new product for mm. you know payments and you know so recurring payments are getting better mm. people like ken have shown that you know the subscription model really works yeah. you know the yeah. new publications like the morning context and all of these guys right so yeah. i think uh, yeah so we had a, a slightly different take at that point about subscription itself and uh, that was key because our stories were in public interest should we uh, if we put it behind a paywall then you know uh, will it actually have the reach and the impact that you know it should mm. have mm. now uh, while our journalism was expensive expensive uh, mm. funding it was you know a very tricky question so mm. we kind of you know we grappled with those kind of issues a lot and you know which is where i said like you know business model was always a challenge for us mm. right and uh, how do you see journalists itself uh, change during the transition you know i mean uh, so uh, one of the things that uh, uh, you know that you again i mean i think you touched upon this earlier as well being ahead of the curve right i mean over the last 3 years whenever i've interacted with journalists as well and i don't know if, if this is you know specific to certain journalists or if that's a fundamental mindset or whatever right they would always ask me about you know when are you guys raising funds and uh, these are not even journalists uh, per se i mean i i get it that you know certain section of the media has to cover you know this part right i mean uh, funding mna so on and so forth but uh, i mean and you know you were one of the few people who really got down to depth on uh, uh, in terms of understanding what we did right and i spoke to you about why more that time i still remember uh, and it was an hour long conversation uh, that i had with you right uh, walking you through customers and product and so on and so forth right uh, uh, why do you think why do you think that people like why do you think that media yeah. uh, folks are not so keen on getting down to the depth of uh, certain things is it just a time challenge constraint what is it 
So I think there are a lot of things that are at play here. Mm. Like, you know, back in the day, um, and this is maybe even just about like maybe eight, ten years, seven, eight years ago, you had some of the really smart people in the newsroom. And this is not a commentary on mm. the intellect of the people who are working in journalism or newsrooms today. You know, I don't know. But, you know, I, in those days, you had very smart people like, you know, I had colleagues who had studied at London School of Economics and, you know, all these really big places and they still chose to become, become journalists mm. because they believed in, you know, certain things and, you know, they wanted to see themselves uh, doing some kind of meaningful work, right? Like, you know, but what happened in the, in the transition where the media went through the whole business model crisis is that these people were not being compensated or rewarded, right? Like, you know, and it's not just about money. It's about seeing uh, some really good stories, you know, out there in the public. Now, not just seeing the story in the public, but also having the, you know, good feeling of, I did a story and it had an impact, right? Like, you know, so nowadays there is very little impact that, you know, is happening because people have become desensitized to, corruption scams and you know all of these you know things and you know there is no uproar in the parliament because you know a few hundred crores were siphoned off from the exchequer's pockets right like you know so uh, nothing is happening so people are wondering why am i even doing this kind of thing so a lot of these smart people left now in the absence of those really smart people and mentors and all of that what you get is a very unisided you know single-sided view of hey okay let's have funding because it's an easy thing to write yeah, it's about like the it's because other lowest th- level of abstraction that you can find right that's the that's the newsiest news you can find really exactly and you can't go wrong with it because uh, most yeah. of the times because most of the times companies will tell you when they have raised funds yeah. and uh, you can't have and it's it's also uh, you can't go with many of those businesses because wrong with many of those businesses because it's already been validated by the investors and blah 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 kind of thing mm. right but if you were to think about it like you know, uh, someone who actually cares about the beats that they cover or the things that they write Mm. about, they would actually go down. And that's the kind of writing that gets the respect of, you know, the people who read it. The challenge is not enough of that is being done, but not enough of that is also being consumed, right? Like, you know, Mm. I think a little bit of fault lies on the part of the audience as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think think you get the kind of uh, stuff that you consume, right? I mean, you get the, you, you, you get the kind of stuff that you deserve basically, right? So if you're, obviously if you're going to like fall for clickbaity journalism, then you get more of clickbaity journalism. Hey, I mean, uh, that's, that's what people (laughs) want to optimize for at the end of the day. So, I mean, for three years I've been talking about SaaS story, right? I mean, it, like this whole amazing SaaS wave that we're on and it's going to take off, it's going to take off, it's going to take off. And uh, uh, yeah. finally, I mean, people are sort of seeing that, but then it was so crystal clear uh, uh, even three, four years back, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, I guess things will evolve and I am very, very optimistic actually about uh, media sort of unbundling and becoming a Substack, uh, you know, Substack's uh, sort of a model, right? I mean, multiple people running different Substacks and so on and so forth. The other the other type of journalism, right? I mean, is that whole gotcha journal, journalism, right? So uh, we've seen this with, uh, you know, what, what happened with Balaji Srinivasan and, uh, you know, I, I think that was Recode, right, in the, in the US, uh, yeah. which is just like pointless, right? I mean, which is like, totally missing the forest for the trees, not really, uh, I mean, it's, it's just become gossip journalism, actually, really. 
uh, about tech right i mean um, yeah so yeah it's look so many times what happens is you know if someone's new and very desperate for a story mm-hmm. and by mistake somebody slipped up and said something interesting mm-hmm. they'd go back to the newsroom and tell it to their seniors and the seniors or you know the editors will be like wow what a story like i need this on facebook tomorrow <laughs> and you just don't have a choice right like so and i i won't say you know I, i've also been part of that sort of you know and i've also made those mistakes but what i've realized over time mm-hmm. is the the story you got by you know uh, publishing that particular piece is much smaller than the story you could have had mm-hmm. down the line if you had you know sort of uh nurtured that relationship and built trust exactly. so you would have uh, you know like really big scoops down the line mm. if you hadn't burned that source or if you hadn't shown that you know you're just an eager you know reporter to get uh, to do gotcha right like you know you said something and i have it on record now right? <laughs> you know? so you can't say i didn't say it right <laughs> so, yeah so that's the thing the other thing is you know it, it, television still does a lot of gotcha journalism yeah, yeah. and it's frankly uh, it's it's a circus right like so you it's know it's crazy i just actively avoid the news i mean so one of the things that's happened almost organically is that i have lived without a tv now for about uh, 10 years i think and uh, you know my life has completely transformed uh, without the tv right so which is that i don't have something blaring in the background right now uh and i feel twitter sometimes can become that so i mean i i prune everything like uh, assiduously prune everything on my timeline so yeah i mean that's something that i highly recommend as well yeah it makes sense right like yeah. you know just like what we were talking about earlier in the conversation about fitness mm-hmm. you know you don't want to eat all the junk exactly. food and you know all of that you really want to consume you know the news that matters most to you and you have to be very particular about it because this is not something that will immediately make you fat or mm. bloated but you know it is making you an idiot yeah. right like because when you consume <laughs> this a whole lot of junk yeah. uh, you know news uh, you know you and you have people who are not consuming that but are very you know uh, careful about what they're consuming they're clearly leaping ahead of you in terms of you know the yeah, I mean, like that they're building if the, you yeah. if you if you kind of look at it from an evolutionary perspective right i mean you don't even have to go back like you know uh, tens of thousands of years i mean you just look at it uh, 20 years back or 30 years back right the amount of uh, news or whatever it it was that you knew versus what you know today in one single day right it's just insane and there's no way i mean our brains have evolved our bodies have evolved to consume all of that and be passive to you know 99.99% of that and then you know only react or only process that 0.0001% that's actually useful to you right so yeah i mean uh, it's it's kind of insane so totally the, the other thing i wanted to talk to you about was also storytelling right which is which is something that i feel like you know as journalists uh, one of the key traits for any journalist and any content person is to be an extremely good storyteller right uh, to look at uh, data to look at uh, to add perspective to data to add uh, that element of uh, uh, i don't want to say charm i want to say like you know present it in a way that's consumable but also really makes sense right uh, what are the elements of uh, good storytelling so how do you go about crafting a story so it really depends on you know what kind of story who's the audience and bunch of other things mm. but there are some fundamentals right like you know 
the first thing is to understand what is a story so i would say a story is something that is not above or below normal right mm. like in journalism we are taught this like you know if uh, a dog bites a man it's not a story but if a man bites a dog it's a story right so it's an easy way to remember what exactly is a story so for example today if you say hey i come from a middle class family and i've given up my plush job to start a startup it's not really a compelling story mm. but 5 years ago that was a compelling story because that was new nobody had done mm. it and the normal thing was you know if you were from middle class family you went to iit and then you went to google or facebook or you went to the us to do some studies right mm. that was a normal story so in that kind of when the normal is that you have people who took extraordinary risks and started up that's a story at that point in time that's not a story anymore because it's startup starting up is mainstream and people are doing it all the time mm. so you need to look for a different story now there can be many elements to this so one easy way to come up with a story is to go and look at yourself and see if you have instances in your life that are worth talking about mm. if, while you were being raised while you were being while you studied while you sort of you know worked at your first job second job in your environment do you have instances like i like the story about red bus right like you know right. uh, so guy goes to the bus stop to find that you know he it's very hard to buy tickets and he solves that problem or the ebay story right he, you t- the ebay story so there are the several of these stories yeah. which uh, kind of uh, i put them in the whole personal kind of a bucket yeah. where you are scratching an itch and then you know you you're telling that story and there will be several others who have scratched the same uh, who wanted to scratch the itch or you know had faced the same problem so the story resonates with them and it takes off you know? yeah <clears throat> now it's important not just to be you know a storyteller if you're just a founder you have to be a good storyteller if you're an employee if you're a product manager if you're you know an hr person mm. and all of that right like you know you have to align teams for that you have to have a great story you have to have the ability to communicate effectively and with clarity mm. and things like that so if if i am a product manager i want to talk to engineers i want to talk to you know designers and i want to talk to you know all kinds of customers and all of these people right so how do i tell you know a compelling story and drive them to sort of deliver on a vision right, right? like you know so often engineers won't report to you so you have to get them excited nonetheless right, right? so how do you do that the storytelling is core to the success of any role that you do yeah yeah no absolutely i mean uh, whether it's product whether it's marketing whether anything right i mean really uh storytelling is at the core of it i feel because you're really getting an audience to understand what the hell you do basically so yeah exactly so numbers and charts and all those things may not stick to sort of you know people but if you have a great story people will remember that mm-hmm. so now we are seeing a lot of uh, journalists and so on right i mean transitioning to actually working in a Uh, a startup or a company or whatever right i mean because obviously there's a huge amount of churn that's happening uh, worldwide not just in india right what are the challenges uh, that you perceive while working in startups right i mean uh, and what are the opportunities to grow so i can actually tell this from two points of view one is having been a startup founder myself and two is now uh, working for a slightly larger more mature kind of startup right, right? so uh, the uh, the early journey is very difficult not just for journalists going into that role but for anybody because 
the uh, like if you take the factor daily example right like in the early days we made a lot of changes and we made changes quite often and that was deliberate that was not because we were fumbling around right like you know we would try a few things it doesn't work now and we would chase it down to like you know the ground and see okay this really doesn't work you know as things stand today we need to change so typically you would call it a pivot or you know a change in direction and all mm-hmm. that now if you're an early employee or you're a journalist kind of thing you've been saying a certain set of things to all the stakeholders that you know of like you you're cultivating media relations you're talking about a certain story and all that and it doesn't work anymore suddenly you have to go back to the drawing board and start again kind of thing that can lead to a lot of frustration right like you know hey how can you kind of thing but the reality is if the founders don't take that call the chances of you succeeding are even worse right like you know so the, when you're doing that thing you have to be super flexible and you have to be super perceptive so and you have to be very careful about what you communicate to the outside world especially in the early days when the product is still not mature or you know you don't have some kind of a, yeah. you know compelling story or product market fit and all that yeah. So it's not for to control community. the narrative i feel absolutely so you can have the urge to say everything to everybody but you know it just has to be very controlled as to what you tell or present about yourself to the outside world yeah uh now from a you know from being a journalist having come into a company like freshworks i think there are different types of companies and you need to pick which you will be comfortable with so for example as a journalist you are your your sort of you know uh, your level of access is insane right mm. like you know you will get access to ceos of very different companies you will get access to all big guns right mm. <clears throat> all you have to say is hey i'm from the so and so kind of thing and people will oblige you are allowed to be a fool most of the times you are allowed to have you know not know so many things right like because they'll say okay he's a journalist <laughs> so and the, the the difference is when you move into a corporate your playground or your canvas is actually much smaller and your level of access might come down quite a bit so and you can see this as a challenge or an opportunity mm. and you have to work within a certain you know sort of framework right like you know there are people who are good at their jobs and trying their best and you know uh, so all those challenges exist of you know being working in a classic company but that's also exciting in the sense ki uh, companies like freshworks are a lot more you know uh, free in term and new age in terms of storytelling mm. so girish himself is a great storyteller yeah. he love encourages people to write more often you know create content talk about things you know yeah. if you're doing something interesting in product all that so i found freshworks as a really nice sort of landing uh, pad for myself mm. and uh, we we did uh, i got some really good opportunities like to, for example to drive the you know whole uh, project around indian democratic design and you know mm. uh, and now i'm working with the, so i think it depends on really where you land you know yeah. uh, there is no one size fits all kind of rule there are companies which are very sort of boring in that sense so if you are comfortable with that that's fine you know it's your call kind of thing yeah. i would say really understand what the company is about see how much of you know uh, sort of leeway do you have to actually do storytelling so uh, again freshworks uh, what i like about freshworks is 
beyond the job i get to do a lot of other things mm. right like you know which is aligned to what i uh, uh, the job but it's kind of not exactly my mandate at threshold mm. so many companies don't allow you to do that and that can become a sort of moral killer for most people yeah like you know uh, people who are used to doing many different things cannot suddenly be you know told to say okay here's a box and this is where you need to be kind of thing yeah So, I, mean, I think modern companies are changing yeah, yeah, most changing. of the new age also. companies are you know that way so you know you can't say hey you know what you you can't be an instagram blogger <laughs> while you're working at it because you know you're making money off of it and it's on the company's time yeah. we are not on the whole time sheet kind of model anymore yeah no i mean uh, i think you know classical avenues for journalists within companies pr or content or whatever right but as you mentioned uh i think a much wider role can uh, exist as well only if you choose to look at the uh, canvas as sort of an opportunity rather than you know i mean uh, be overwhelmed by it or like uh, be frustrated by it and say that hey you know nothing is structured and i want to do this one thing and why am i saddled with all of these other things to deal with right yeah So, yeah absolutely I, i i strongly believe that you have to reinvent yourself yeah. at some point or the other i know the sounds like a gya, uh, like a little bit of gyan but you know the thing is it's really helped me right like you know i was doing computer science and then i went to you know become a journalist and then you know even within journalism i made so many you know changes to the way i look at things and now i'm like actually getting much closer to like real businesses right like you know so and there's so much to learn from all your colleagues and i i feel like you can bring together a lot of unique sort of learnings and skill sets that can make you unique and you know well positioned in the market if you're out there for jobs or you know if you're going to start up at some point and all that yeah yeah okay let's uh, move into a rapid fire round these are it's one of those things that you know you have to do in interviews nowadays right <laughs> <laughs> i don't like this round so okay don't worry nothing scandalous uh, as such uh just short interesting answers to a bunch of uh, questions right uh, so beginning with uh, the best story that you've read uh, that should be a handful i know i like this uh, piece uh, which is called frank sinatra has a cold <laughs> and yeah. this is a bit of a reference piece for most writers and journalists it's about how uh, you know the writer was tasked with writing about frank sinatra who's not very easy to access and he's like a big deal in the us right at that time, point in time he's he's a amazing singer and all that now he has no access and uh, he does and he ends up writing this really long beautiful piece without having actually you know accessed uh, frank sinatra but you just watching him and you know they putting things together so i thought that was a great piece of journalism right i like uh, the work of hunter thompson who's uh, kind of uh, hunter thompson and you know uh, people like tom wolf and all that so that's the genre of writing called uh, gonzo journalism yeah, yeah. or you know uh, all of that right so where you also put yourself in the middle of the story as a as one of the characters i think there was and, a you know, uh, there was a movie on him right johnny depp movie i think uh, Yeah. yeah so there is yeah so there was this movie called fear and ah, loathing yeah. in las correct. vegas correct correct <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's another one called kentucky derby is decked and depraved so that's something i like uh, same i think that's also that's also hunter thompson right um, i like uh, you know so those are some of the stories uh, from a corporate 
storytelling point of view business journalism point of view i like uh, the book called too big to fail uh, it's um, by uh, you know uh, andrew ross sorkin and uh, it's a beautiful blow by blow account of the whole 2008 uh, financial crisis that unfolded right nice. and that's a really good book um, if you watch margin call yeah. uh, you know so this this book is like you know uh, maybe about um, it's got the same tension and same you know right. beautiful writing and all that right like you know so as a well made series yeah uh, so i like that so this is this there's a lot of stuff sorry ended up being <laughs> not so rapid <laughs> no no i understand and uh, yeah margin call was a great movie actually actually bunch of uh, movies around the 2008 crisis uh, you know i like big shot uh, which is a fantastic movie as well so yep. yeah so your favorite uh, journalist my favorite journalist mm, tough question <laughs> barring pankaj so like, i'm going to eliminate pankaj from the list <laughs> uh honestly i i like what you know i and i don't know if i can pick out individuals uh, but i like uh, you know uh, some stories in uh, the morning context i like some stories in the ken uh, if you're looking at it from an indian point of view i like some stories which come in et mm-hmm. you know so uh, it's difficult to call out a certain journalist uh, kind of thing i i think you know hmm. someone you admire basically uh okay this is a difficult question <laughs> <laughs> i i mean see look i i like uh, so i like my earlier editor josie right so uh for being an editor with a lot of spine right like now mm. which means once you have cleared the story you will stand by it mm. and so which means you already you have a high bar of clearing a story you make sure the story is watertight and all that but once you've cleared it you stand by it kind of thing and this is from a lot of personal experience of you know and that's when i realized the value that an editor can bring right. into a good story kind of, or a good journalism kind of outfit yeah. uh so yeah so i would say josie is clearly up there okay uh your favorite founder slash founders again we'll eliminate uh, girish from the list obviously i my current favorite is uh the folks at postman yeah uh, again just because of all the stories that we were talking about yeah. um and not just because they're successful but uh because of you know the uh, i think they're very deliberate about the way they've gone about doing yeah, things yeah and quietly as well right so yeah phenomenal yeah yeah so okay the weirdest thing a pr person has uh, pitched you <laughs> <laughs> i i i if i open my inbox i'll see like some really random <laughs> stuff I, i mean people will pitch you for like crazy stuff and i won't blame them again blame it uh, blame them for it it's their job right um like i've been pitched to write about maybe you know i mean i i everybody knows i mean pretty much every, i like to think that with that pretty much everyone knows that i cover and write about technology mm-hmm. right like so i've been pitched to write about like really random stuff like you know ranging from soap to fmcg goods to underwear so all of that right like so right you get pitched a lot yeah right okay so one thing that marketers can learn from journalists clear and direct 
communication hmm. okay one thing journalists can learn from marketers how to sell your story yeah and uh, if you had to do something differently what would that be something differently in terms you of pick uh, anything. when i was i if i if i was to start up again i would hire people very carefully like mm. i'd like be you know really really careful about who i hire yeah i mean hiring is one of those things where i feel like you have to be i mean people you cannot be optimistic about hiring you know um uh, and uh, naturally i mean i like to see the good in everyone so i have this uh, you know huge problem where uh, so that becomes a huge problem with uh, with hiring hiring is something where if you're not even like a little bit unsure i mean if you're if you're even a little bit unsure about someone you should i've never seen it work out actually in the 12 13 years that i've hired i've never seen it work out really so yeah, yeah. the thing is uh, you know the thing is like it's nice to sort of be a person who instinctively trusts other people yeah. uh, and we all default to being a trusting kind of a person mm. but we have to realize that especially in an indian context we are all growing up to ace test right like you know so we have mugged up things mm-hmm. right from our childhood yeah. to you know even all the way up to iit and masters and all that right like even phd's are you know sort of <laughs> you know people are uh, doing crazy stuff with that so uh, when you are hiring a lot of people will come to you with that mentality saying you know i am taking a test and i've sort of you know i've done pretty much all the preparation mm. and uh, it's very hard to spot you know who is good and who is bad because you know yeah. in uh, in that kind of a situation everybody is prepped really well yeah that's so, a, so the, yeah that that's that's just like one of those really really dangerous things right when someone is so prepped i mean that that's another you know bullshit detector that i have when someone gives you exactly the answers you want to hear you know that's when you realize i mean yeah there's something wrong here you know yeah absolutely and in early days when you're hiring you can't be too picky as well yeah, yeah, so yeah. that's a very tough yeah. balance yeah, you know it's hard so. it's definitely hard okay the best uh, uh, lockdown slash quarantine hack best quarantine hack hmm i would say running hmm okay okay because it kind of keeps you active and sort of uh on top of your game yeah no i mean that's something that i've been meaning to do but i haven't got around to it uh, i'm not a huge uh, fan of running but uh, yeah considering that you know we're all literally like you know being forced to be indoors i think i might i might like running more than i would have i think earlier so cool you want to try that out <laughs> Yeah, yeah totally what book are you reading and what would you recommend um reading a book by rajmohan gandhi on the history of southern states i just finished some 40 pages and it's interesting oh uh, it talks about the 15th 16th 17th century india and you know how different fiefdoms evolved nice. and things like that it's yeah nice uh, I, i yeah sorry go ahead so i if, from a recommendation point of view i have a pretty much standard list i would uh, especially if you are uh, you know into writing and things like that i would 
just recommend this book by William Zenser called On Writing. And I would recommend this book uh, called, uh, called The Elements of Eloquence. Both are great books for people who want to practice writing. Okay, I'm noting that down actually. In fact, I mean, I got a book uh, by uh, Neelkanta Shastri on history of South India. A friend of mine recommended this. Um, yeah, so that goes even further behind. Uh, uh, you know, the, and that was, that's a classic. That's one of those original works kind of thing. I started on it a few years ago, but I just couldn't get through it. So Yeah, I mean, these are pretty heavy, I can tell. Right, so I got a bunch of history books and uh, my, I don't know, secret fantasy is to take a week off and just like, you know, immerse myself in that, but I don't know when that's going to happen. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> One of the other really fundamental books that I thought was this book uh, by Will Durant, it's called Story of Philosophy. Uh-huh. And it just, uh, it's just a really well uh, condensed version of different philosophers, their lives and, you know, wh- what did they sort of write about or philosophize about kind of thing. So yes. I thought, uh, it's a it's a very uh, wide ranging kind of book, but it's written by uh, you know with a lot of knowledge and right. insight. Might be a poor comparison, but uh, I uh, there's this book called Tools of Titans by Tim Ferriss that uh, also I mean something that I've been meaning to read, which uh, people people say I mean that's that's pretty much uh, what it is, right? It's very distilled wisdom uh, from a bunch of like uh, super people. Yeah, yeah. So. What? Sorry, go ahead. You were saying something? No, I've heard great things about that book. I still haven't read ah, it though. Yeah, I mean, same thing. Same. Uh, what podcasts uh, do you listen to and podcasts that you recommend? Yeah, so I listen to The Economist Radio. So it gives me like a wide sort of, you know, uh, range of things to chew on. Kind of thing. Right. I listen to the Shane Parrish podcast. Yeah, you know, the Knowledge Project. The Knowledge Project. Yeah, I used to listen to Tim Ferriss quite a bit. I like, you know, the way he presents stuff. Yeah. And I like the depth uh, both of these guys explore. Mm-hmm. I listen to the uh, podcast from HBR. I listen to, uh, so HBR has this amazing podcast called The Idea Cast. Yeah. That's, that's pretty yeah. good. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, I think uh, I focus a lot of my listening these days on leadership and you know, nice. companies, cultures and those kind of things. I uh, and personal development in that sense, so, right. which is why Tim Ferriss and those guys. Yeah. yeah, yeah, So, all right. I mean, we're almost at the end of the podcast. I'm sure we could talk for another couple of hours about everything that uh, you know we spoke about earlier, right? Uh, yeah. It's been super fun. Uh, so, we want to end the podcast with something that you're optimistic about. You know, one thing that you're really, really optimistic about going forward. Could be personal, could be about the world, whatever. Okay, that's that's a difficult one because right now we're I mean we're in this part yeah, exactly. right like where you know things are. Um, I think things will get better as we go along, and you know uh, I'm optimistic that the especially the next generation. Uh, I mean, not like we are old, and even our generation can see the difference between the right and wrong and you know so there are still people out there who when they see injustice and things like that they call it out and you know this thing and not just keep quiet about it so that's that's very encouraging interesting all right man this was a super fun conversation uh thanks so much uh, for making the time uh, i know we overshot our time limit by crazy but this was amazing so thank you so much 
Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. I had fun. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Startup Operator. We'll interview operators at fast-growing startups and curate insights that can help you do better. This podcast is available on all popular platforms. If you like our content, don't forget to subscribe and share. Thank you. Until next time, put your head down and execute.